Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a battlefield. It's been a long time since I've been on here. The last you guys have heard was the last segment. Was it about, um, let me check over time. Fathers and their daughters, so pretty much the children's section of the book of Challenges of a Firefighter Marriage by Anne and Mike. Gangliano. I don't even know if I'm even saying their last name right anymore, so I'm just going to wing it. Um, I'm just going to try out, for those of you who do not know me, I started this podcast because I have been personal development. I've, you know, passed a lot of goals in my life, and I have lots of tools to share and give. Also, I like to think of myself as a self-help personal development coach. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that... You don't really have to have a license to do that because um, I feel human beings should share their experiences, you know, I mean, and everyone should share their experience to help people like with different experiences with different categories. You don't have to be licensed to do that. So I just feel that that's just, that's just my belief. So excuse me, I'm just getting over a cold. Also, I have my new infant son in my arms. He will he's pretty much three weeks old. I had him on September 14th. And so, you know, it's been, you know, challenging because I have to relearn everything that I had to learn with my now three-year-old. Um, and, you know, it's, like I said, it's been a while. So, and my three-year-old is home. Because he has no preschool on Wednesdays. Um, so, just letting everybody know you hear sound, you hear cries. That would be on my end. <laughs> so, I want to start off with a little story. It's kind of crappy. And I don't know why I'm sharing it with you because, you know, we've been through this book. And a lot of it has to do with not only, like, physical stuff, but emotions and mental health. Um... So, obviously, as a human being on social media, I just had to put my two cents in about a video what I was watching of a girl who was at a baseball game. This guy was sitting in front of her, and she was drawing a baseball around his bald spot in the back where he had his bald spot, and he didn't even know it. Um, and I know, right? A lot of you are like, well, it sounds harmless as long as he doesn't know. Right. But that's not my point. My point is she was being a little insensitive about how, you know, the <laughs> she was being a little insensitive about his bald spot. You know, he had no idea that she was taking pictures of it and drawing certain images on it, like a baseball, and laughing. Like, who knows? Maybe he's very sensitive about that bald spot. He just doesn't show it, right? Like, there are a lot of guys out there who are, are very um, insecure about certain body parts of themselves and the thing is they just don't show it like us women do so I had to put my two cents in by saying it's people like her that make hum the human race suck okay but then someone commented um you know about saying no it's people like you or babies like sense of babies like you who make the world suck um I'm not sensitive I actually have a fucking heart and I know when someone's just being stupid and 
and censor themselves. Um, you know, it's, you know, and so I checked this person's profile out and they said on their little biography saying that they, you know, identified it as they, you know, we have the them and they pronouns for humans now. And if you say he or she or anything else, they get, they freak out, which I have no problem with that they want that. But the thing is, when I saw that, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sensitive. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure if I called you something else other than they or them, you would be really sensitive. And so I pretty much wrote a nice note back though. And I said, um, it's people like you who say stuff like that is why mental health is an issue. I said, but I can, I can see you're, you're going through probably something right now and you're just projecting your anger on other people. I forgive you. And they haven't said anything to me since. I know that's just, a lot of you are like, oh, I would have ripped her or ripped their ass. And well, guess what? I decided to take the way out, even though it's hard, it's actually the hardest way out is to be most compassionate as possible. Because, yeah, we don't know what other people are going through. And that's why they project their anger on everyone else. But at the same time, did they have any right to say that? No, they did not. Because guess what? When you call people like me sensitive that have had mental health issues and going through postpartum depression, and I have been diagnosed with depression, like, that just makes it worse. So, no, it's people like them is why the human race sucks. So that's just my downright opinion. And I'm sorry if this offended every anybody, but you know, it's, it is what it is. I tell the truth and people hate it. They do. So, <coughs> excuse me. All right. So chapter 19, I'm going to do this the best I can. It's about money. Um, this one's called for richer or for poor. And I know not a lot of, and this is going to be a lot of trigger, you know, because a lot of, now today, especially with all the stimulus checks and of course because of COVID, um, people have a hard time talking about finance, finances and money. Um, I was always told by my best friend as well as my life coach that the money will come. That is always, I always tell myself that the money will come. The money will come. You have to make the universe feel it for stuff to happen. The universe I've talked about before does not hear words, but it feels emotion. So, you know, you can say the money will come, the money will come, but you really have to feel that, you know, that it will come and it will give you what it needs to give you. Um, a lot of people don't feel that way that I do now because of the fact that COVID has fucked so many people over, has screwed so many people over that they feel like that they're just in a downward spiral or they're working to the point where, you know, if they don't do overtime or they don't do this, if they don't go in early, that they're going to lose it again. If there's a, if there's any other way, other wave of COVID again, that is going to make people lose their jobs. And people are now are just kind of surviving. No one's really living. Everyone is surviving. So, um, Anne has shared, it says down here in this page, our marital money philosophies. So I'm going to read this part. She says, in this chapter, I'm not going to tell you how you should or shouldn't spend your money, which is true. I'm not going to give you tips on wise investments or ways to save. Consult experts on this topic as they will be far more qualified than I can guide you. 
Mike and I are too, are, are not too. Mike and I are not rich. So you probably wouldn't want my advice in that arena. Anyway, I can, however, share with you the attitudes or philosophies we have developed over the years that have made money a non-issue in our marriage. Mike and I rarely, if ever, argue about finances. This is due to money philosophies we have found through experience and research to be the healthiest ones to have with a marriage and conversely, which destructive ones to avoid. So, which is true, consult an, an actual finance expert, you know, if that's what you need to do. Um, if you feel better on researching about how to save money, great. I told you guys a while ago in my segment, I can't, I forget which season it is that I did and which episode, but I think it was about couponing and, or I talked about it and I need to get back into it again. But here's the deal. Um, ever since I found about Dollar General digital coupons, I now do those more than actually clip the Sunday paper, which I probably should clip the Sunday paper, but it's just a lot of work to get in my car and drive to the store just to get a news, two newspapers or at least one and, you know, then just come back home. If I'm going to be out, I'm going to be out for a while and actually do something. Okay, that, I don't know. That's just how I feel. So... This section says it's not your money, it's not my money, it's our money, okay? A lot of people, you know, make this mistake in their marriage or relationship-wise, okay? Just because one partner works as a breadwinner more than the other does not, does not mean that they own the money, okay? It is not theirs. Once you're married especially and you have a joint account is your guys's money together yes there may be some conversations where you have to be like okay what do we need to get first before we before our wants you know what what comes first as needs and then we can do as wants you know so this is what my husband and i do i always because i'm polite and i love my husband very much and i know he works very hard and as a stay-at-home mom i feel that it is my duty to, you know, at least ask him so he knows where his, uh, where his hard-earned money is going to go. If I can get this, if I can get that. Now, it was my decision to be that way. He's not controlling me to be that way at all. And, of course, there's times where he's like, of course, sweetie, whatever you need. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, I wanted to make sure it was okay with you. Because, you know, there are bills to pay, blah, 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 and all that. So, it I made it my decision to ask him first before I go and buy anything that isn't really a need. It's more of a want. So, like, for example, leggings. Um, at Walmart, in the woman's section of clothing, if I want leggings... I ask, would that be okay if I get a new pair of leggings? I'm going to throw my old one, old ones away that don't fit anymore or whatever. So, it is not yours or mine. It's ours. Okay? She writes, Mike and I believe that this is the number one attitude a married couple should have toward money. We have always had one joint bank account, and regardless of who makes what, it all goes into the same pot. If couples remain separate in, that, in this area, it is easier to view it as mine and yours. Viewing it as ours is together, 
to do when it remains divided after the wedding. When it comes to paying household expenses that are shared, resentments can arise over who should pay which bills if the money is considered separate. You are one household, one family, one couple, and your expenses should be viewed as such. We can't keep each area of our marriage neatly separated. Money touches everything, so if a couple is fighting over money, that tension can also affect areas like trust, parenting, even intimacy. Not only is it better to be open with one account for reasons of trust, it's easier. Every Ever try splitting bills with a roommate? <laughs> the yours and mine attitude can more easily lead to secret spending, mismanagement, and eventually mistrust. So, don't do that. <laughs> All money problems should be faced together, okay? When financial problems arise, they should always be viewed as our problem, not your problem or my problem. Casting stones, blaming, and belligerence only accelerate the situation. All money problems should be faced together, and the sooner the better as they can quickly escalate. Because I handle the money in our family, I have to tell Mike when there's a problem. Keeping it to myself isn't going to solve anything. He doesn't always want to hear it, but he has to. I cannot always handle the issue alone, nor does Mike expect me to. Our finances affect our finances affect us both, so we both have to be involved. When difficulties arise, we work them out together. We brainstorm, strategize, and find ways to solve the problem by communicating and not fighting. We figure out where we're overspending and decide how to rein it in to stop the hemorrhaging. Guys, let me tell you something. That speaks more than a thousand freaking words because, yeah, even though you don't want to tell your spouse that this bill went past due and you feel so fucking horrible about it because let's say you are in charge at least, you know, writing out the checks because your spouse can't remember to do so and you forget you have to tell the spouse, especially a very understanding husband or wife. Um, and even though it's gonna, their tone is gonna sound irritated, but just try to remember that, give them a little space, give them a little time. Um, even before the conversation, say, hey, just so you know, I'm only human. I had a lot going on this week. I forgot to pay this bill and it's overdue. I know you're going to be a little bit frustrated. I'm frustrated. But how can we work this out? Okay? That might work. Bigger purchases must always be agreed upon. Like I just said a little bit ago. Um, like, for example, we've made a couple big purchases for my three-year-old son. Before my second one was born. About a swing set and a trampoline. Okay, this is a trampoline that is for toddlers but um it was still a big purchase my husband and i would talk and talk and talk about it but at, but at the same time we were coming to an understanding that if we pay this bill this day and this bill the other day we can make it work to buy both and so we agreed to do that and it worked out just fine for us thou shall not commit financial infidelity well, financial infidelity is, is secret spending, okay? It's kind of like going behind your spouse's back and secretly cheating on them. So, it is the act of hiding your purchases from your spouse. And a lot of couples have done these types of things. 
and kept paychecks hidden or lied about income, then spent it on themselves. Well, hello. That's a lot of sneezes that everyone probably heard. That's okay, though. Okay? But it's a big no-no. Okay? I know a lot of people are like, I deserve this because I work hard. Well, sorry, so does your spouse. Even if you're a stay-at-home mom like me, I mean, we work just as hard. We actually work, research shows that we work actually 2.5 jobs as a full-time stay-at-home mom. People think that we just sit here. Uh -huh. No, we don't. As you can see, technically, I'm working by giving you a, a segment, right? Um, I also am writing my fourth book. I am also taking care of a three-year-old who is sick today, as well as my infant son, who will be going to the doctor today at 2.45. And so, yeah, I mean, technically, I'm working. But, I like I said before, I still ask my husband if I feel like it's something that I want or need. I ask him first. I don't go behind his back. It is, in fact, a form of cheating. Yes, okay. Uh, that was a short line. The lying is a vicious cycle that can cause all kinds of problems, such as bouncing checks when the other spouse is not aware that the funds were depleted. Fees upon fees can pile up before you even know what happened. Alright, so the top cause of this infidelity is addiction, like shopping addiction, gambling, porn or sex addiction, or substance abuse. It becomes as secretive and problematic as the addiction itself. This can be so severe as to need professional counseling. Yes, there is counseling for people who have a shopping addiction. Have you ever watched Hoarders? If you haven't, I suggest it. If, if, if it's not addressed, financial ruin may loom as spending gets out of hand. This becomes a problem in the relationship where there's mistrustful, mis or mistrust, and be devastated by the waste and shattered trust they never recover, and the marriage often ends. Which you guys would be surprised how often marriages end because of that. This one's called No Tip for Tat Spending. Another problem that I've witnessed in marriage and says is something I've dubbed tip for tat spending. It can also be described as revenge spending. I've watched couples get deeply into credit card debt over this one. One spouse feeling entitled makes a large selfish purchase without a spousal approval. The other spouse resenting said purchase decides, well then I'll get something too. The original spender cannot argue, for they are in fact guilty of just having done the same thing. So there you go. You have now made two very large unplanned and unneeded purchases that have either caused debt or depleted funds that should have gone to a household expense. This quickly puts you behind and forces you to cut corners or work overtime just to catch up. And guys, this is childish and foolish. And it's very destructive to the relationship. I mean, come on, if you really want something, just talk about it. Save for it and plan for it. Better yet, surprise your loved one and get the desired item as a gift. I mean, it will create mutual delight, drawing you closer. All right. Like I said, it's hard because, yeah, if you, your spouse is, like, spending big time on things that they don't need, and you're like, well, I want to get revenge, and now I'm going to go spend. Well, again, this is a, a muscle you guys are going to have to learn to flex, is 
talking about it and saying, hey, this doesn't make me feel good. Here, I have an example for you, okay? Now, my husband would tell me, hey, we need to pay this bill. We can't spend any more money on this and this. And he would, you know, keep reminding me, you know, that we had to be careful. And I was like, okay, yeah, I know, because I knew that after two big bills that we paid, we were kind of low in our account. I I can't tell you exactly where we were at, but it was kind of just, it was a little nerve wracking, but we were able to stay pretty consistent. Um, and he kept reminding me, I was like, okay, thank you for reminding me. Yes, I know. Um, okay, well then when I went to go get in his car one day, because we were going somewhere, he had all these Starbucks energy shots or those huge cans of the triple double shot in his car. Oh my gosh. I was livid because I'm getting told by someone, you know, who is spending money every day, every morning before they go to work at Casey's to just to get freaking Starbucks like cans. But yet I'm being told that, you know, I can't, we got to be careful. Oh, I was so livid. I literally on the spot before we even left our house, I said, what's this down by my feet? Because he's a guy, you know, he tra he kind of uses his car as a trash can, which is kind of gross, but, and oh my God. Yeah. The look on his face was nothing but guilt. I was so mad. I actually started to cry because I also felt hurt. I was like, you tell me one thing, but you go and do another. He felt so bad. He told me, he goes, you know what? You're right. I should never done this. I shouldn't have to tell you not to do this when I'm the one doing it. I said, don't you dare do this to me. I said, that sounds a little bit controlling and I do not appreciate it. I do not appreciate it. But we're good now because I literally, on the spot before we left, I said, you know what? No, we're going to talk about this now because this makes me feel like crap. And I told him. And we've been good ever since. So. Oh, this one. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. This section is, should mom stay home? Now, this one might actually bite a nerve because a lot of stay-at-home moms like myself we tend to find little things that bite our nerves when it comes to certain people that say certain things and we're like are you freaking serious are you freaking kidding me right now so everyone stay calm i'm gonna tell the moms right now stay calm and stay-at-home dads stay calm okay and writes i suppose this is more of a question than a philosophy but the answer to this question is a philosophy i wish to address should mom stay home or should she work? Well, research and my own personal experience both point to the same conclusion. Women are happiest when the ultimate decision is their, is their choice. If a woman feels compelled to work just to make ends meet, then she'd rather be home with her kids. She will resent it. If she's compelled to stay home and give up a career she enjoys, she will resent it. So the bottom line is this. Let mom decide if she wants to be full-time, part-time, or anything in between. After all, she is the one who actually has to do the work. You'll both be happier 
if she's given the choice. In the old saying, if mama ain't happy, nobody happy. It's actually true, even with the kids. When polled about what children want most, mom home or mom working, they overwhelmingly answered that they just want mom and dad to be less stressed out and tired and happier. So whatever will make you happiest, this is what you should do. At least that's my opinion. If you're happy, the marriage will be better. That has been my experience. I would not have been happy leaving my kids in daycare. They probably would have been just fine, but I would not have been. And I agree with Anne because I'm a stay-at-home mom. I told my husband I'm not going to take my kids to daycare because of all the shit I've been reading about daycare people mistreating uh, people's kids as well as, mm, let's see, some pedophiles who worked in daycares and would as sexually assault the children while they're at daycare. I'm sorry, but i rather be stay at home than have my kids go through that trauma. I know a lot of women say they have no choice, but I'm just saying that from what I've read and like the news and stuff and of course how expensive daycare is, I say fuck that shit. Uh, we couldn't even make probably ends meet if we were to pay for daycare and the bills and the house we have. And once my husband decides to turn over full-time fire department, that means his pay is going to cut drastically. Okay, maybe drastically is not the best word, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to cut down a bit. And he's a welder fabricator right now. And he's making more money than anyone on the fire department right now. So it's going to be scary. And it's probably going to be the hardest thing to overcome. But, and I know, I mean, am I ready? No, of course not. Just like you're not really ready to have a baby. You're only ready until that kid comes out of you. And then that's when you're ready. So, you know, it's just one of those things where it's, it's just going to have to be learned. Okay. It's going to, we're going to have to try a few times to get it right. <coughs> Controlling leads to lack of control. Controlling is listed as being one of the top five financial reasons for a divorce. Controlling can be described as one spouse delegating what the other spouse can or cannot spend. Oh, just like I just talked about with my example. But like I said, he wasn't doing it in a way that was, you know, domestic and violent. I, and he he didn't even realize he was even doing anything wrong until I said something. But still, it is sometimes an actual allowance doled out by the controller as if their spouse were a subordinate, not an equal. Controllers are typically the primary breadwinners or top earners in the relationship. This is this type of treatment leaves spouses feeling inferior, resentful, condescended, even helpless. Ironically, if you try to control your spouse in fashion, in this fashion, you may so alienate them that they will flee just to get financial freedom. If this happens, it's possible they may ultimately control the money in the divorce settlement. Ha ha ha! Joke's on you. I have witnessed this type of behavior in couples. I know. And it's an ugly thing to see. Marriage is a relationship, not a job. One spouse is not the boss and the other the employee. Again, one spouse is not the boss and the other one's not an employee. So don't treat your relationship like that. 
Both are equal partners sharing the work of life and family and homemaking. Excuse me. <coughs> Gosh, see, a little bit of that phlegm will just not let go. It's just one of those colds. All right. Live within your means. Debt is dangerous in marriage. Very quickly, a couple can find themselves over their heads, and for firefighters, this adds a lot of stress to an already stressful profession. Avoid debt like the plague. We've always viewed debt as an absolute last resort, emergency-only option. To avoid it, live within your means. Have a budget and stick to it religiously. This can be very helpful when money is tight and will help you keep from the emergency situations. When times have been tight for us, I've clipped coupons, made very detailed grocery lists, and shopped at thrift stores and consignment stores. Oh gosh, I know, that Gucci bag just looks so good. You don't want anyone's used bag, do you? Oh my gosh, God forbid you have to turn on the, you know, washer and dryer just to clean it. Just so you can feel better about it. Excuse me, had to rant there a little bit. We bought used furniture, used cars, even used clothing and household items. Anything is better than debt as interest compounds and you end up paying way more for something than you ought. If you live within your means, money becomes less of a crisis. And let's face it, in the world of firefighting, the fewer crises arise, the better. We all like to treat ourselves once in a while. Well, yeah, of course. By purchasing something not necessarily in the family budget. These purchases can lead to debt, even resentment if they're frivolous, or not wanted by the other spouse. Mike and I have found a solution to the self-indulgent spending problem. Have a jar. Each of us has a stash of extra cash that we save up for the frivolous but fun items we wish for. Whenever we earn extra money, a portion of that money is set aside for our jars. Mike likes to blow his fun money on anything rock and roll. I like designer purses and fancy little houses. Oh, you know, those little, um, like, it's like the Christmas houses with the people that dance around the ice skating rink, blah, blah, blah. You know, the, that you put up for decorations. This is not only zero debt or resentment with this system, as the money has been carefully set aside for such purposes, but there's mutual delight as well. I'm happy for him when he gets what he wants, and he's happy for me. And the biggest treatment of all is when we contribute to the other person's jar. Talk about delight. Sweet and generous gestures such as these add to... Feeling romantic, which is especially important to me, and turns expenses from problematic to pleasurable. You guys don't have to do the jar thing, but... I mean... Yeah. She's right. It's okay to spend on yourself once in a great while, but... Make sure you are at least watching your expenses. Make sure you know what bills are due. Make sure you know, maybe start trying to separate by on a piece of paper which bills are due and when you want to pay them. Like I said, I know it's been hard because of COVID. And since COVID hit, everyone just kind of had to readjust. And now everyone, like I said, is just surviving. No one's really living. Because they're trying to make up time, the lost time that COVID did for everyone. COVID made a lot of people lose their jobs. And the people who were able to go back to work or find new jobs now, those people are making up for lost time. Are we getting cranky? Oh my goodness, I better wrap this up. All right, well, Mike at the end of 
each chapter. Got We gotta read it. A bit of marital philosophy. Before adding a few bits of what I hope will be solid and thoughtful advice on the issue of money, I'd like to set the stage with a bit of philosophy. Remember that Anne and I are not working to a relationship that is just okay or manageable. Or fine. We're not writing all this, all this stuff just to keep couples live in a partnership as friendly strangers or in a marriage of convenience. Our desire is for you to have an incredible marriage that is mutually fulfilling, stimulating, and authentic. One that grows and builds throughout your lifetime with the ups and downs and the triumphs and the tragedies. I say again, we are advocating for you to aim high. Well, that's nice. So, there you have it. We'll end on that note. Oh, man. I, I'm having a hard time getting rid of this last little phlegm bit. That's a mucus cold for you. Gross. Okay. <coughs> like I said, financial stuff is hard to hear because it gets you thinking about your financial stuff, especially if you're in debt and it makes you feel terrible, but that's not what I was here for. I was here to inspire you and what Anne and Mike both wrote, you know, I hope that inspires you just to kind of start doing what you need to do to get yourself out of any hole that you're in financially. Um, maybe anything with your spouse or partner that is financially stressing. Um, and I, you know, I hope for the best for everybody. So, you know, if you have to listen to this again, be my guest. Because sometimes people have to get it knocked into their heads a few times before they start to understand and make any personal development, you know, to flex their muscle. So... All right, well, next one is chapter 20, Firefighters and Cancer, which is also a nail-biting, um, you know, trigger deal, whatever you want to call it. But I know because a lot of people, cancer sucks, you guys. <laughs> but it's something that needs to be talked about. I hope you guys have a great day, and I will... Don't know when next time I'll be record. Hopefully I won't be too sleep deprived. But <laughs> alright. See you later.